In December of 2017, I had a chance to sit down with three of my friends who had already been on the podcast before, previous guests, to have a, kind of a reunion episode. And that was always the plan for episode 20. Uh, and so we got lucky that everybody was in town. Uh, James Wongo from episode 1, Charlie Fulnecki, Uncle Charlie from episode 6, and J.R. Palomar from episode 15. Uh, it was a great night. Uh, we talked for about three and a half hours. So I didn't want to do that to you, so I cut it in half. And uh, this right here is part one of this incredible conversation. Hope you enjoy it. A little over two years ago, he told me, he said uh, that he's leaving New York. He's going to California. And I was devastated and actually really happy at the same time. It was like losing a leg and l winning the lottery at the, same, at the same time. I didn't know how to handle it, but I realized it wasn't about me, so I should get over it. And then I thought about all these conversations that we've had and there's no record of them. All these like great conversations we've had, whether technical or hashtag immigrant life, whatever it is, there's like, I want to go back and listen to those. So I decided for one last time, why don't we get wasted and talk about uh, just whatever. And so if you listen to episode one, there's absolutely no, there's chaos. There's this no structure. Chaos. It's just you and yeah, me talking. And that was the edited version. <laughs> that was, that was, <laughs> we, we cleaned that up, man. It was bad. That was about I was, 70 minutes. I, you know, we were talking yesterday and I was like, I remember calling Cena the next morning and be like, there's some things I really don't want you to put in the <laughs> <laughs> <to> release. <laughs> so, yeah, I we, we, we said a lot of things. We said a lot of things. We used words. And, and I recorded the entire thing using an iPhone microphone, <laughs> which was a huge mistake. I mean, we've come a long way. Look at this. Uh, and That's so a nice setup. I was really, uh, uh, I had no idea what to do after that, after episode one, but I knew that if we start the conversation, it will probably go somewhere. And I don't know if you remember, but we talked about if I can make it to 10 episodes, it will be a huge accomplishment because there's, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of podcasts on iTunes. I've heard over 90% of them end at about three episodes just oh, because really? it's so hard to produce it oh, takes funny. a lot of time and that sort of thing so i was like he, actually you said that to me you said if you can make it to 10 then okay. we'll we'll do episode 10 we'll turn the tables and then somebody will talk to you about your career and that sort of yeah. thing uh, but you went to california i passed 10 and now episode 20 randomly uh, you ended up coming back here for a couple of things and we're able to squeeze this in Dope. So excited. So that episode and that guy I was talking about, James Wanga from episode one, still the most talked about and most downloaded, sorry guys, episode uh, because I think people go, I'm going to check out this podcast and then they, they check, check out, out episode one. one and then they're like, okay, fuck it. Then, yeah. <laughs> and then they look me up and see the number of restraining orders. Me. <laughs> <laughs> get very curious they about who I am. <laughs> they correlate with the downloads. <laughs> That's right. like, who is yeah. this criminal? So we have, clearly we have James Wanga here. My very good friend, who also dealt with a lot of my high testosterone days, where uh, he he had to uh, you know pull me back and say, "All right, it's time to go home, Cena." Uh, <laughs> I said that. Yes. <laughs> of course, pleasure to have you, Charlie. And uh, I'm sorry, uh, who are you? <laughs> uh, uh, my name is uh, Jr. I am here as a immigrant as well. <laughs> Uh, yeah, man. Thanks for in inviting me. I, I'm, I'm invading the HBO reunion, uh, the much lauded deal. I feel like I've heard so much about you guys and just honored to kind of be Here, a participant. Here's why that's not a problem that you're, you weren't an HBO guy, because okay. I think you have, you have uh, 
to every single one of us. And that so, makes oh, absolutely. That makes you, family. Makes you yeah. family. I'm family. Right? Oh, so. you're that guy? The one that <laughs> we just had the, the, the statistics. I think it was something like 16,000 years worth of video was watched this year. Oh, yeah. I, if not more. I mean, like, so much content. Yeah. So much content. Yeah. That Game of Thrones life, man. That Game of Thrones life. It's hard. Ooh. So, yeah. JR, I think actually more people are familiar with who you are because you're one of the more recent episodes. Episode 15 mm -hmm. or 16? I'm fresh meat, yeah. Yeah. So, it was one of the, the funnier episodes because he didn't want to talk about serious shit. He didn't want to talk about tech at all. He kept talking about, and I was like, come back. Come back. You actually you have knowledge that people are interested in. If so you let's, say so. Let's talk about it. <laughs> so, episode one, six. Six, yeah. Six mm -hmm. and 15. Uh -huh. So welcome, everybody, to episode 20. Cheers. Yes, we're Cheers, here at Almond. All right. Charlie needs a drink. Charlie, come on. I'm drinkless. Somebody get this medicine. Could you, yeah. Um, what are you guys drinking? Can I have an old-fashioned, please? Oh, Thank he's you. elevating. Sure, I'll, I'll have an old-fashioned. Whatever he's having. I'm piggybacking. <laughs> Thank you, sir. So I like um, could do like I did yesterday. Uh -huh. I paid for my lunch with cryptocurrency. Oh, you did? Oh. That's some 21st century like, stuff right like there. They accepted it? it? Well, not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we went, it was a group lunch. <laughs> so okay. I just paid my share with crypto. So I want to get to cryptocurrency, especially uh, uh, my friend Kalen is here. He's very interested. He's getting into it. Uh, it's a I definitely want to get there. Uh, on uh, episode 19, we talked a lot about Bitcoin and yeah, I listened to that. Before oh, you did? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, and I know you're you're involved. We actually had lunch. We talked about cryptocurrency, yeah. so this is good that you're here. We are uh, live for the first time outside of the Drunk Web headquarters, aka my <laughs> studio, the orbiting headquarters. The orbiting headquarters. Yeah. Uh, we are recording today live at Almond on 22nd Street. So thank you to our friends. Thank you, Bismarck. Shout out to Shout Bismarck. Shout out to Bismarck for hooking us up with this beautiful room. So uh, we're live for the first time. We have multiple guests uh, this dynamic. James, you go first, introduce, and then okay. we'll, we'll go this way or that way. All right, my, my name is, uh, is, is James Wanga. Don't, uh, don't believe the things you read in restraining orders about me. <laughs> They're untrue. Uh, <laughs> stupid. No, so I'm a software engineer. And I came to know this group of people, Charlie and, and Sina, when I took my first front-end programming job at HBO back in 2012, 11, 12? Thereabouts. 11, 12, yeah. But, uh, I think that yeah. sounds right. Mm -hmm. That sounds about right. Uh, traditionally, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a back-end guy. So I, I cut my teeth on .NET and, uh, and all that good stuff. Loved it, but fell in love with what was happening with front ends, like around that, that, that time. I mean, nothing was happening interesting in the back end around 2011, 2012. Uh, all of these classical software engineering design patterns had come to the front end. I was like, this is where I want to be. I managed to bullshit my way through an interview with Charlie. <laughs> he gave me a job. Gotcha. You did it. really good. Thank you very much. Yeah. At that interview. That's yeah, at the interview. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and I became part of, like, honestly, I think to this day, some of the smartest people I've ever worked with was that group. Um, and, uh, and now I'm, I'm, uh, I'm doing a combination of uh, front-end stuff. I've gotten really into neural networks and machine learning, so I'm super excited to talk to Charlie about that. 
what's going on. I'm dressed inappropriately for the New York weather. Yeah, you looking like you 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 going to spa? I look spa like a Southern day. California. Yeah, you which do. is not a compliment. Southern Absolutely. Cali for real. Yeah, no one. Like you start saying hella. Yeah, hella. <laughs> I'm I'm getting hella drunk on mimosas. Um, yeah, so that's that's the that's the ten thousand foot view of who I am. Oh, excellent! Awesome. And, uh, oh, there thank you, you so much. And the real shit has just arrived. Uh oh. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Kaylin. So we got. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, Kato. Uh, Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Salute. Salute. So yeah, so you know, there is something I want to I, I I wanted to add to that. I I think a couple things. One, you always give me a lot of credit for what you learned, and I think. One of the things you don't realize, and Charlie just reminded me of this, is I, I, did, I learned front-end programming not long before I started teaching it to you, you know, because I wasn't a front-end engineer when I came, you know. And I don't think I would be, I know I wouldn't be where I am in my career if it wasn't for this group of people, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, and Charlie, Charlie, you were probably the first engineer that kicked my ass, you know? Yeah, I, you know... I'm a lot nicer now. No, but that's, that's okay. Like I don't. I feel like being nice wouldn't have helped, <laughs> you know. And uh, and getting your ass kicked a little bit is, I think, what turns mediocre people into great people. I don't know why I didn't become great. <laughs> I remain mediocre, but all uh, those fights in the hallway, you, you yeah, kicked his ass so many he is, times. He's stronger than he looks. <laughs> yeah, work out. He's strong. Yeah, he work work out. Out. Have you seen pictures of him in his twenties? The dude's jacked. No, I haven't. You are like, I saw a picture of you. You're like in some forest, like killing deers and like <laughs> making <Killing> deers, <laughs> making like life out of nothing, like fire. I don't know what you'd up to, but I saw yeah. a picture. I might have added some to that. I picture. think there, there <laughs> was some embellishment there. That sounds a like a little embellishment. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was a white water rafting trip. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Tell us more about how much you enjoy Charlie's body. I mean, <laughs> and I'm in the corner cooking. Um, no, thanks, but it's absolutely true that my introduction to Angular 1, which became the thing that I ended up selling uh, for the next, you know, five, six years, mm. you know, I went through that experience with you, so I don't have to repeat it. Thank you. <laughs> it's remarkable that you turned out as well as you did, considering I was your mentor. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <that's> <laughs> so it's a testament to both of you guys, right? Like you to kind of like help guide them, and then you to kind of take it and oh, more bullshit. Got it. You got it. Got this. So Jr., give us JR. a give us an intro. Ooh, ooh. So I am. Uh, I guess I I just I met Cena recently, about two years ago, about this time, and. Uh, working at MasterCard, and um, we just kind of hit it off a lot, mostly because you don't get to meet too many guys that are that engaging, yeah, um, and also that inquisitive and that sincere. So that kind of helps out. And he thought I was just a weirdo, I think. So I still had a bag over my head <laughs> in the office. <laughs> <laughs> in the no, office during stand-ups. You do, because yes. A Whole Foods bag, not any bag. Oh, it's a fancy it's bag. It's an organic bag. That's it's a very organic that bag. That costs Free $17. Free-range bag. <laughs> you, 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 know, you know, I just asked for a bag is all they gave me. I never bought anything there. And um, and I think oh, I think you saw something in me. You, 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 you saw a little diamond in the rough, and you just kept <laughs> rubbing at it. Rubbing at it and rubbing at it. <laughs> Is anyone gonna take that one? And yeah. <laughs> please, please. I'm, I'm, 
this is what I'm laying out here. <laughs> Something. Yeah. Anyone want to pick it up? <laughs> All right. And well. um, yeah, my my main forte is still uh, UI, but um, I I do CSS architecture. I do awesome. JavaScript architecture. Angular was actually um, it's only been about two and a half, three years. We all, th I think we all have mixed feelings about Angular, but do like uh, JavaScript in general, and I see value in Python as a scripting language, and um, <laughs> I'm in Java world and uh, sorry about that, and and other stuff right now. But you know, it's a it's a living, it's, it's a, a living. living. I'll get to you in a second because I I want to uh, talk to you about uh, I I want. Charlie to challenge your CSS world oh, uh, in a second. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. It's, it's going to get nasty. This is how we make this interesting. Oh. Oh. CSS throwdown? Yeah, throw yeah we'll CSS <laughs> slap fight. CSS <laughs> 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 I bought my sweats for a reason. <laughs> um, Charlie, Uncle Charlie, Charlie Fulnicky, uh, legend. I talked about you a lot. The man, the myth, and the legend. Yes. Yeah, it's all made up. But I'm, you know, that's I'm as most legends are. Legends, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's how it works. Charlie, give the good people, give the 17 people out there who don't know who you are. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, you said I'm I'm Charlie Charles Fulnecki. I'm a software engineer. Uh, currently doing work at HBO. Uh, I used to be for like the past almost two decades of exclusively front-end development. You know, everything uh, from you know vanilla JavaScript through Dojo through uh, Angular One, jQuery. Uh, oh, oh, Backbone! Can't forget Backbone. backbone. Uh, OG right. Backbone. Yeah, OG that backbone. was that was Go my first roots. mobile experience. That oh. was it was awesome. American Express. Super light. Yeah, love it. Uh, but then Angular One had a better testing story, so I jumped on board there. And and the the last framework that I I truly felt you know like I was productive in uh, was React. Uh, I tried to do a little bit of Angular 2, 4, or 5 now, and it's it's really cool, but it's just so much weight to carry. Yeah. That I, I like the, the lightweight infrastructure that I have with React and Redux, and, and Redux Observable especially. Shout out to, to uh, Jay Phelps, Redux Observable, you, you the man. It's one of my, my favorite uh, uh, architectural enhancements. Now I'm just trying to keep in the back of my mind the things I'm going to say about CSS. Okay. So, so everybody has a significant amount of front-end experience. How long before something radically changes, like HTML, CSS go away? Ever? Never. 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 Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, got, that's got to be there. That's XML like foundation. I'll make this argument. I think HTML, CSS, JavaScript go away when and if browsers ever go away and to me the only thing right now that could be a threat to browsers is vr and ar mm -hmm. in my humble opinion and and not that there won't be another markup language to replace them uh but that to me is the only pending threat so to browsers facebook oh facebook generates their vr ar through react there you go. Uh, like they have a, like a transpiler, you write in React, transpile out, and they transpile to whatever you need to. So like their testing VRs are <laughs> written in React, which in essence is is what it is, right? Yeah. So like uh, I I I still truly feel like 
a, a browser is never going to go away. Like that's that's going to be so hard to s circumvent. People are trying to replace them with native apps, and people do prefer a native app experience, be but because it's usually a, such a shitty web experience. Right. If you can if you can have parallels and expect that and push browsers to uh, have uh, an equivalent experience as you could on a native app that you can elicit from the OS, I truly feel. Why wouldn't you just use your browser instead? Nobody cares what it's written in. They exactly. just care about the experience. Yeah. Do like do you want a thousand apps or do you want to just go online? That I mean, for many people, they just go online anyways, right? If so, you put oh, oh, go ahead. No, no. Well, I was actually going to ask Charlie a question. So the interesting thing about this is people have been trying to make the web, sort of do a, a, a web first. Web first has been, you know, something people have been saying for a decade, right? Two decades, fuck it, yeah. forever. Yeah. Um, but it's never really happened. Every time we almost get there, some native experience ends up dominating. Um, you know, we came, you know, people wanted to create mobile apps that were web that the iPhone didn't have native apps when it first came out because Steve Jobs wanted everybody to create web experiences that was their primary developer experience with the original iphone we have uh you know we have google chrome now that is uh that's a first yeah right the web is is, is a first class citizen in google chrome but chromebooks outside of education are not are not that popular so i'm skeptical of this idea that the web will ever become the dominant interface for for digital communication um, I think, or for digital interface, that's a better way to put it than digital communication. I think, um, I think native experiences, and you know what I think it is? I think native experiences, great native experiences are, are ne neuroscience candy, right? Like, I remember, I remember once, it was during HBO, and I think it was after Charlie had yelled at me about like a, sh no, Charlie, you had yelled at Braithwaite <laughs> for like a shitty... Oh, there was like a shitty parallax thing that had happened. There's seven layers of parallax. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? And I remember, I remember for the first time being really curious about performance. Like for the first time in my life, because I don't think until I met you, I never thought about performance, right? And because no one had ever asked me to do better <laughs> in performance, like, you know, like it works, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And but it, it's important, absolutely. And I remember after that, I remember really getting interested in performance, and I was reading a blog of some sort in which they, they there was a discussion between like a neuroscientist and a software engineer and the neuroscientist was complaining about how long something was taking to load but it was like milliseconds and the engineer was like shut up like it's not a big deal just yeah. settle the fuck down you know there's that louis ck joke about mm -hmm. i don't know if we can talk about louis ck anymore but there's a, that louis ck joke we can. about people needing to settle the fuck down because the signal's going to space and back like yeah. this is amazing <laughs> it's going to space you know and um, and what the neuroscience pointed out, or the neuroscientist pointed out, was that the reason people get frustrated when they click on something and it doesn't happen right away is because technology has become such a fundamental part of the way we live that our brains have begin think have began thinking about our technological objects as extensions of the human body, and when parts of the human body don't respond within a hundred milliseconds, it elicits a, a warning like in our neural pathways, something is wrong. If you tell your finger to move and in 100 milliseconds you don't have feedback, it's telling you that something is wrong. And so when you're 
mashing your fucking screen because something isn't happening. That is a, that is a that's a deep cognitive error that's being triggered. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, I started to understand why performance is important. It's because if we're gonna build the society that we want based around technology that affects humans and that humans can use to try to continue to improve society, technology needs to integrate with the human mind. Yeah. And the first step are fast, responsive web pages, right? And uh, and so I always thought that that was uh, I don't remember what my original point was, but that's because I'm drinking whiskey now. Why is my me yelling at Braithwaite about something? Yeah, oh, parallax. Yeah, yeah. Oh, something yeah, yeah. parallax. But well, parallax is worth screaming over, though. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy because everything is so available, which right. is a beautiful thing. You know, I don't subscribe to the whole. It's bad. What what are we doing to our kids? What are we doing to our brains? Hmm. Look, it's happening. Okay, sure. things yeah. are more available than they used to be, which means when now. If something goes down and it's not available, it's not just going to be an inconvenience. It's going to piss us off, right? If I click on something, the last 200,000 clicks I did responded to me within 300 milliseconds. Mm. And now I click and it doesn't respond within 300 milliseconds. Yeah. You're right. We're forming new patterns in our brain. Yeah. And the brain goes, wait a minute, this isn't cool anymore, yeah. right? Food, like Uber shows up within two minutes Our f like food seamless shows up within two minutes tinder you just swipe the person shows up and does the thing that you do. <laughs> and you're done in two minutes and you're done in two minutes yeah you <laughs> and so wh why should i wait if i'm uh, submitting a form to like my bank and i want to like put some money in there why is it taking five minutes you know i'm not it, i'm not gonna understand it yeah right i'm Doesn't just matter glad how that two minutes is acceptable now <laughs> <laughs> You mean for t for your Tinder date to respond? Or for <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. But but think about it, right? Though that that is a whole generation built on instant gratification. Where there's a generational gap where communication between uh, states or or towns were seconds. Dude, I, like I I don't know if it's generational though. I like my mom was complaining because her iPad is now like two years old. She's like, I need a new one. I'm like, mom, like. You got this two years ago. Like, how are you already used to things being this fast? Like, you've lived your entire life with things not being this fast. Yeah. But those, like, two years, I would argue a year is enough for us to get used to things being as fast as they are now. Right? Right? Yeah. As humans, we are leaning towards convenience. Because right. I'm also a little bit, like, I, I, I genuinely hated when people like start blaming like millennials they're like oh these millennials with their expectations and with their whatever meanwhile the whoever is making the comment is like oh, my phone like the same thing you're saying you know so i don't think it's a millennials even worse but like everybody else if you have an iphone or like a fairly good android device like you are part of the gang like you oh, are yeah. as bitchy and as demanding as the rest of us. Mm -hmm. But it's the same thing as those people who had electricity first and then the electricity went out and they're like, oh, I can't believe this. So I have to go back to candles. It's like you've had electricity for six months. Like, how are you? <laughs> it's the same thing, right? So you get used to it because it's amazing. Yeah. It's a good thing to have. It's so passive, though, as well, right? Yeah. If you think about it, um, it's such a passive experience that when it's gone, you wonder what happened beforehand. Yeah. Like uh, being able to call somebody, instantly communicate with somebody is is kind of 
a nuance to this deal and to remove that even for uh, different generations is still a huge inconvenience because you're taking something that has been needed for so long do you feel that as as we move forward in society and we are able to unify and and communicate and have this like global system uh, with one another that we are we are conditioning ourselves differently sure. and if so like what what's a threshold of, of expectations right because technology can only reach so far as software we're talking about strictly software but the the correlation with that is hardware has to be there alongside of it right speaking with of it. by the way like side note hardware dudes are crushing it crushing I think hardware is way ahead of the game like software is uh, doing great but like hard, um, hardware is a lot more deterministic. So you were talking physical. about, yeah, yeah. But I think like every year when they talk about the new MacBook, and we all like, okay, it, it's faster. We don't know what goes. I, I guess the hardware dudes might not know what goes into the new iOS and whatnot. But like, it's been a gradual, you know, different iterations of software. But like hardware, a lot of times they have to start from scratch. They have to like. They have blueprints. They have blueprints. I have, just like I have a have lot of respect for hardware guys. This is interesting. Right, so I want to tell you something I learned recently that's very fascinating. I'm really glad you brought that up. Um, one of the things that I learned that may support that theory is that software has not fundamentally changed throughout most of human communication. It's the medium through which software travels through that's changed, right? And so I'm, I'm East African. And we have like seven things to be proud of. So we talk about those seven things quite you a have bit. Seven? That's a lot. Seven. Isn't that That's amazing? One of the things. I have two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of them is the, uh, the hostage crisis. The hostage crisis. Like, look. Argo. Look, it lasted a little bit, all right? I know we were wrong, but come on. You put in a good effort. It is. East Africa. They had, to, they had to send Ben Affleck in. <laughs> With a shitty script. With a shitty script. Yeah, that really happened. That was actually a documentary. Um, and. Uh, so, so the British obviously colonized East Africa. Um, one very fascinating thing that the, the British discovered when they came to, to East Africa was that tribes were able to communicate information about what was happening locally across incredible distances long before the British had uh, telegraph systems and signaling systems that could send messages back and forth. And they couldn't figure out how they would do this. And what would happen is every village had a drummer, right? And the drummers would drum, and the, the, the British thought that it was just local village music or whatever, right? It was just the savages banging on drums, and they couldn't quite sort out what it was. They eventually figured out it was a communication system, but they, they didn't understand why drumming happened the way it did. And, and it, drumming at that time in East Africa followed a pattern of uh, something called the talking drums, in which the way you would bang on a drum was meant to replicate the phonetic... Uh, sort of nuances of, of East African language and East African speech. That's so, unbelievable. Yeah, so it was crazy. So if wow. you'd say, you say something in an East African language, the way you would bang on a drum was a, a, like a sort of a vague replicant of the sounds that your mouth would make. Wow. But they were deeply repetitive. And so that's why the British thought they were sort of part of a song. And years later, uh, a, a British scientist who became one of the earliest information theorists discovered that what was happening is the repetition in the sounds that they were making in the banging drums was redundancy. We call that now cyclic redundancy. 
in communication. If you see a packet of data get transmitted across a wire, there's a bit of, there's parity that gets transmitted with that data packet. And that's called in packet, uh, in, in sort of packet communication, that's called a cyclic redundancy check, right? Um, and so cyclic redundancy was a part of early African language, not just African language, early Native American language, early Aboriginal language. Cyclic redundancy was really important because what would happen is you needed to figure out a way to get a message from a hilltop to another hilltop 100 miles away. So you would bang the sound out on a drum and then add parody bits to that banging. And then somebody down in the village would hear it. They would listen to it, but because there's birds and all kinds of things in the way they would get it wrong, but they would wait for the redundancy, the cyclic redundancy check to come in. They'd wait for the parody bits to come in, and then they would bang that out because then you would get verification that the message came through, and they would do this over and over and over again. Honest to God, to this day, no matter your form of communication, fiber, satellite communication, even quantum uh, um, uh, quantum, uh, like the, the Chinese have been testing um, um, quantum communication between satellites and Earth. I don't know how effective that is, but every form of communication is derivative from the way early man, not just East Africans, but from the way early man discovered that you can introduce redundancy into message to, messages to get them resilient across long amounts of dis distances. That is software. Software is nothing but information theory. And information theory has not changed since the human brain realized that you can introduce redundancy to messages to make them resilient against noise. Everything else is hardware improving the speed at which the software moves, you know? And, and so it's interesting that you say that hardware guys are killing it. And I think one reason hardware guys are killing it is we suddenly have this complete understanding and a more complete understanding of information theory that's allowing us to innovate on the way we move that information back and forth. You know, and and uh, and it's the reason now that devices the size of of a, of a stamp are capable of moving information. At, right. Like, you want to tell them what happened last night at dinner? Oh, right. Yeah, we we went out to dinner last night, and uh, and some fancy ass person ordered uh, who who's guinea, that? Guinea, guinea hen. Guinea hen. And we were guinea like, hen. what the fuck is a guinea hen? And so one of us raised our wrist and was like, "Hey Siri, what the fuck is a guinea hen?" <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then she she said the and picture she said of it. it she sent us a, oh, she oh. did it. There you go. There's no need she for that. <laughs> <laughs> Siri just said, "What Siri, the fuck you is?" Sassy. Yeah, you, you sassy Siri. <laughs> and uh, and and it's crazy because we we think of software as this new thing, right? Like this thing that came along after the the U.S. military, you know. You know, started building these mainframes in the 50s and the mm. 60s, and and that's what we think of as software, but that's not software. Software is information theory. It's the way we encode bits, but in, as communication channels between two people. The fact that it now happens with computers is completely incidental, right? And so hardware is what moves society forward because software has existed since two motherfuckers started talking. Okay, show of hands, show of hands. Who thinks James is Black Jesus? I am like Jesus. That's the, so, so I just want to add this. Metal. This yeah. is what I miss most about those days at HBO. I know. Because <laughs> this is what it was like every day we went every to lunch with James. And Braithwaite, too. You guys would get going, and it was just the most fascinating topic. The thing that I never told you is that I have made all that up. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's just so it's good. enthralling. That's a dope story, though, either way. It's like butter is going into your ears. Yes. <laughs> <You're like laughs> That's, we can arrange that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, my, my intro where I said uh, we've had these uh, like 
unbelievable conversations for years and there was no record of them and then this is how drunk web kind of started because i thought well i'm gonna get a chance to talk to you one last time i'm gonna get a chance to talk to charlie because i had left hbo i'm like well it, i want it to be more than just lunch i want to like record our conversations this was the reason because we used to talk about this like you're right every day every day and yeah. it's really hard to come by and JR, I know you're going to make a joke about this, but this happens with JR now. Today, like, we go to lunch and we, we take a concept and we just tear it apart and we talk, you know, have good conversations like that. And it's really, really rare, especially if you have, you know, multiple people who are, uh, who are, who can contribute. So this is awesome. That was super fascinating. The drum thing and how that was like a message. I'm going to try to wind him up again. Yeah. Here, uh, all right, so I'm going to throw this out there because we were talking about performance, and this all you know was a segue from that. Yeah. And obviously, that's performance, as you know, is my trigger. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you think about the the repealing of the net neutrality laws? It, that could oh. potentially affect performance for everyone who doesn't want to pay to I play. Knew, I knew that was going to come up. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna play the contrarian card if I'm allowed here. I think net neutrality. Uh, the, the, I think the repeal of net neutrality is short-sighted. I think there's a potential positive, which is that we're on the. You were talking about hardware. We're on the verge of creating the first new communication channels in half a century, right? Um, inexpensive consumer-grade satellite bi-directional communication is something that three or four companies are working on right now De it, is this decentralized it's like kind of like bitcoin or no well, it's, yeah it's very it's still extremely centralized okay i mean theoretically satellites are basically mesh networks so there it's not a, like a, a backbone mm -hmm. they have there's it's it's possible that they could create them in a way that doesn't utilize a traditional backbone but these are things owned by companies like i think spacex OneWeb. Um, there's a couple companies out there that are working on, on these, these telecommunications. If they're smart, and if capitalism is still alive, this, the repeal of net neutrality is a massive opportunity. There is nobody that hates anything more than everybody hates their ISP. Literally nothing, right? You know what I mean? Like, I go to the doctor and I have rashes that I hate less <laughs> than I hate my ISP. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? At like, least it's not Time Warner, Doc. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's like, I know... That I must be castrated now, but at least... <laughs> do you have a choice in your ISP? I do not have a choice. Well, I mean, I, I could plug my computer... I mean, like, I could hotspot my T-Mobile, but... Yeah, I could tether my T-Mobile, which is actually preferable sometimes. Uh, but I think... The, my contrarian perspective is that what is... Sh this, this, the repeal of net neutrality could be a market opportunity for the new entrants, the, the new satellite companies entering into the market. The only problem is we don't know whether or not satellite internet really works because no one has deployed it in mass. Like Dish Network or somebody tried it back in like the 2000s and 90s and it was shit. Oh, is it? Well, well you know, something happened a few months back that I thought instantly of you. Well, someone had put up a microsatellite for the, the Bitcoin blockchain. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, what the hell were they trying to do? What? It Basically, one of the things you can, you know, the, the problem with uh, the networks is that someone could intercept or cut oh. off the traffic. 
right? So or someone control a, your okay. access to this network. Yeah. And what they're doing is trying to make it more resilient. Mm. So you put a satellite up in space, well, everyone still has access to the blockchain yeah. if you have the right hardware. Uh, obviously, there are other more primitive networks that right. could be utilized. You know, uh, some some of the packet radio type networks. Yeah, just like they would have for any type of uh, net. Like right, like no one actually deploys a huge, massive network themselves physically anymore. They used to, right? But now we're so reliant on AWS as, um, or decentralized networks, other than China, to kind of have a huge, massive network to support the infrastructure that we need. But like we are we are still technically bound to those countries laws so if you have soil on soil like net data centers in Sweden you are bound by their laws in uh, Singapore you're bound by their laws so so with with American data centers which there are plenty absolutely right now there is a, a chance for people to be able to control and throttle that that technology is is not new like that's been around for the past 20 years to literally uh, like you used to not be able to check each packet each packet was encapsulated so that way you wouldn't be able to actually sniff and especially with SSL now you weren't able to do that so it was just moving traffic the 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 main goal that all these ISPs a Cisco were meant to do was to be able to route and switch effectively quickly and uh, non-discriminatory right y you can um, you can prioritize like it's it's signal be it UDP or TC, uh, TCP IP blah 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 but y you wouldn't be able to say okay if it, if the source and this destination I, I don't agree with anything from this source I, I deprioritize right you used to have to do that because of uh, when networks would uh, be saturated you want to prioritize voice calls over texting there are like almost on the same uh, deal, um, you you had to figure out. Oh, we want to prioritize improved voice quality, uh, so we want to prioritize that type of uh, packet. Then that got bastardized into. Oh, we now know your source and your destination, and if we don't agree with that destination, no. And the, and these are moves that every single company is making. It used to be your content provider was never your distributor. You had a different distribution model than your content provider. There's there's a reason why we blocked uh, GM and Ford from selling directly to consumers. Your provider was never your distribution model, because it allowed people to uh, to to figure that out. In, 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 like and improve those models, right? You would go to a different dealership because they had better deals. Right, you would go to a different ISP if they had better deals. Right now, with AT&T potentially owning AOL Time Warner, they own the content. They can prioritize their content. They say they don't have to. That's ending in 2018. HBO, for instance, can be completely out if if um, if if uh, a, a distributor wanted to take over. Um, whatever content NBC Universal content Fox uh, like 21st Century Fox content right you now have conglomerates now owning a, an insane amount of content and moving towards creating their own distribution model yeah. Disney is pulling out of Netflix why because they're creating their own service now I have to pay for XYZ service I, this service just to get content 
And they want to do that because omni-channel life, correct? Right? Like they want to control end to end. But that now means the consumer suffers. They have to choose between these different distro models. Do I choose Hulu because all of Disney's content is going to be there? They control a 40% stake now because Fox and Disney own cumulatively a 40, maybe more, 60, a controlling stake. Yeah, and, and imagine that, right? We now have no choice because if I want my kids to watch Beauty and the Beast, Frozen, or um, any other future Pixar film, I have to use a streaming service because that's all that they're ever going to send it through. And let's be real, there's a reason why Disney didn't make movies all the time. They didn't always make those movies for sale because they can control in the demand and the supply. So JR, two things. Number one, can you pass me that old-fashioned over there? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, three things. Can you pass me the other old-fashioned? Oh, yes. <laughs> Charlie. Oh, thank you. Oh. The last thing, uh, <laughs> Charlie, you have multiple kids. You, th- th- does this, like, how does this affect you? How do you feel, you know, with your kids, like, watching Disney? Is this something you, you worry about? Like, you brought up net neutrality, the thing that just happened. How, how do you think this will affect you? And I guess, James, for you too, having kids, multiple kids who are, I guess, watching TV, like they're interested in, like, this doesn't affect me, like specifically what you're talking about directly. What do you think? Well, you know, content is such a, in the industry we're in, we, we put a lot of emphasis on it, but it's really the underlying control you know, the fact that so much power can be concentrated in the hands of these corporate entities. Yeah. Uh, we as, as individuals, we, we, we in, especially in this country, in America, we, we believe in this concept of, of voting, one man, one vote, and, and everyone having some influence on what's happening to them. Well, yeah, I, I think that's eroded by these corporations that grow and grow and grow uh, to the point where they control the communications channels, and we've all seen what's happened with social networking. We've seen the influence, it, or you know, at least that's the the implication that that people can influence the results of elections through these social networks. Whether that's true or not is another thing. But Hillary sucked too. But I mean, that's uh, yeah. That's don't get me started on <laughs> Hillary. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, oh yeah, multiple things. But, but that's uh, ultimately, yeah, I'm concerned for my children, and and I, and I think. I'm going to keep, every time these things come up, I have saw an opportunity to segue into cryptocurrencies. <laughs> Actually, let's go there. It's a good time. You're going to be yeah. that guy. Let's go there. I'm going to be that guy. guy. Let's go there. Yeah. Yeah, um, but to me, you know, I, I look at everything that's going on, and uh, in a way, uh, the most exciting thing about cryptocurrencies for me is it, it's a hedge. It's like, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. Is, you know, are we going to end up like Venezuela or the Weimar Republic, all these things. Uh, I think the, the big surge we're seeing is, is sort of like a vast realization that that's a possibility. Certainly there are people there that are just piling on because they think they can make some quick money. But, yeah, there, there's legitimate concerns with the insanity, in, in, in my mind, that's going on right now. I, I was just looking at the... The list of terms you can't use for—I um, I forget that. which agency it I is, yeah, yeah. but you can't use scientific. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Oh, for the EPA. 
Yeah, the not just the EPA, but any any of these uh, agencies. I, I wish I had the article in front of me right now, but the terms you can't use. Well, the obvious one was fetus. Um, transgender. Scien- you can't say transgender. transgender. Oh, right. okay. uh, Science based, uh, you know, or or uh, exper- you know, experimental. Yeah. Anything that requires implies rigor. Yeah, science. You know, yeah. this is this. I can't fathom that that these are things that people aren't up in arms about. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So. A lot of the stuff that's going on right now, yeah, it does concern me as a father. Do you think it's a coincidence that the decentralized model, the Bitcoin, uh, you know, I don't want any any one person to control the the entire thing, type of thing? Do you think it's a coincidence that it happened to money, like or currency? Uh, it's no coincidence at all. It happened at exa- the exact moment that the, uh, the the big banking crisis happened, mm. and that's even you know that's that's the very first block, the message in it, right? Uh, Satoshi Nakamoto. Do we know who that guy is? Or who she is? Who or who they is? are? Or who they are. There's who a lot of attendance. That's right. they. Yeah. But, but uh, or it could be, what's his name, Craig, uh, Craig Wright? I'm not sure. Yeah, no. I, don't, I don't buy that, but it seems like a good ploy on his part if he wants to get financing to claim that he possibly has access to billions of dollars worth of Bitcoin. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> recently proposed it was... Elon Musk. Uh, yeah, I heard but that's ridiculous. Yeah. So if you look at Satoshi Nakamoto, I saw um, uh, something pop up on Twitter. I forget all the names of the different companies, but a bunch of big companies, they're, you know, the initials, you the can first make two part, word, yeah. you can put them all together to yeah. form Satoshi Nakamoto. Um, oh, you, you have to look that up. But yeah. Yeah, that's I didn't like, commit it to memory. I mean, it's a huge troll effort, right? Because like you, that group of people who created that, they're like, oh, I want... An, infinite ledger mm-hmm. that is completely transactional that it has complete history and and I want that without regulation and without bounds right like that is Star Trek level like <laughs> aspirations if you mm-hmm. think about it. a global currency something yeah. that is um, just completely ether if you think about because what is our money based on now it used to be sta- gold standard that's now just trust yeah. It simply is that. And in this year, that trust value for digital currency has visibly shown because of the evaluation of a Bitcoin, right? Has exponentially... Yeah, it's not, it's not Bitcoin going up. It's people realizing that the value of the dollar is, is not what it should be. It's it not is. what it should yeah. be. And, and what is it? Yeah. People are asking, what, why do we care so much? I, I'm going to go into the aspect of this that I'm completely afraid of for my children. Uh, you know, I don't know how many of you are familiar with the petrodollar concept. So in 70, when we went off the gold standard, this was a brilliant move. We basically went to Saudi Arabia and said, look, if you do all your transactions for oil in do- U.S. dollars only, we will defend you. We will protect you from all comers. Uh, we have this pact with you. And so that spread out through OPEC and all transactions for oil were done in U.S. dollars. And, and for the most part, that's still the case. So that created a tremendous demand for U.S. dollars. We could effectively print them at will. And there would always be someone willing to take those on and buy U.S. treasuries also as, as you know, part of the deal. Now, all of a sudden, you've got the BRICS and they're not happy with this dollar, uh, is it hegemony or hegemony? Hegemony. They're not happy with that. Yeah. 
So now they're talking about, you know, some even cryptocurrencies are starting to come into play here. Hmm. Uh, but uh, China's doing gold-backed um, uh, oil contracts. Uh, Russia and China are now starting to do business without using the U.S. dollar. Now, typically what's happened is, you know, if someone tries to do this, uh, I'll give you some examples of countries that have tried to do this. Iraq, Libya. I don't know if you've seen a pattern there. But now both of those countries are back on the U.S. dollar, which is important. Mm -hmm. And it's important to us because that's what raises our standard of living. All of us sitting here have benefited from that. But I'm concerned that that may not be sustainable. And so for me, you know, these cryptocurrencies are a hedge against that eventuality. Eventuality of, of becoming Venezuela, maybe not to that degree, that's insane. Or the Weimar Republic where we're wheeling in wheelbarrows of money to buy a loaf of bread. Um, because with the evaluation of money or transactions is subjective, right? A, a slushy New York City is a totally different like value prop than a slushy in... Uh, but in, coffee. Think in, about in, coffee. Yeah, in, in, um, in Louisiana. Uh, like, or uh, Big Mac, right? Like the Big Mac standard, international. You've got to bring up Louisiana, huh? You know I like oh, fried chicken. Oh, oh, Why'd you have to do that? I'm a little bit drunk. I could go for fried chicken. <laughs> well, coffee. coffee. I hear coffee's 99 cents somewhere. In some, in in like, some delis and bodegas, <laughs> yeah. Like the, the way it should be sold. <laughs> but, but like that value and transaction that people subjectively uh, project upon something, right, is, is, is constrained by a, a locale. Mm-hmm. The, like uh, when I, I, know, I know friends that make no money. All they do is trade money internationally when it fluxes and they cut good they 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 do well right they make nothing literally generate nothing it is hedging bets knowing uh international markets well enough to project and forecast and analyze so they do stuff but they generate nothing international currency though allows us that flexibility of a standardization technically right that's all something like why not at this point we can all literally communicate with one another but we can't trade with one another that's insane well yeah right yeah uh, 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 and and people want that people need that in their so lives. I wa- I w- oh, yeah Cato, i want to bring you up here's 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 what's so funny about what you just said. Oh, there we Kato's go. More for okay, I want to do a <laughs> shout out. I want to do a shout out. Kato's pretty ass. Knock it off. All right. For uh, for the for the eight people out there who don't know who Kato is, uh, I I Instagram live about you all the time. I'm always like, hey, I'm with Kato. We're uh, Kalen. We did something which is this is how people used to do trade before when Cato and I started to uh, so he's my obviously my really good friend but he's also my trainer right he started training me and in in return without even like negotiating or anything like that he's like I want to learn how to code and I was like oh I'll, I'll show you I'll show you how to code if you if you train me because I want a trainer who I know and I'm not gonna get to know another trainer you know, until I, I go out and do some, re- I just didn't have the, the time to do that. And so we did what trade used to be. Like, I have a skill. I'm going to give you that. And then you have a skill. 
why don't you give me that? And there was no like monetary like, transaction. And it's, pr it's one of the, one of the best like trades I've ever been a part of. I feel so great. By far the best trade that I ever made in my life. <laughs> best thing that I ever did in my life. Not kidding. No, that, I'm not just making that up. It's the best thing I ever did for myself. Because you know, I, I was going to say, like, I wasn't going to play devil's advocate and say, well, you need regulations. And I'm, I'm actually a fan of regulations because I think, no, you, you need somebody to set the rules and then everybody plays. I think rules are good. But in this case, like, we didn't have rules, right? We were just, like, buddies. And I said, like, do you want to exchange this, this skill? And then it's worked out great. And so... I mean, had either of us not like follow through with what we were doing like you remember when we first started it was every day i mean we were training every day at like six o'clock in the morning and then one day a week we'd code for like three or four hours you know you went from html to css and you know i started to see i'm like ooh, the, the fun stuff lies in javascript the functionality and things like that you know but by by the time you get past css I, that's when the hook that's yeah. that's that's when you got the hook you're either in it or you're not you know right. and but like nobody had to, it's funny because I think I'm making this point more for myself because I'm like, look, there's no regulation, but it worked. Like we traded with each other. Right? YouTube is college. YouTube is college. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Charlie, I think you'll be proud. I think Kalen just this bought his first like, Bitcoin. This is a story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything about it. Bring that back. Sorry. <laughs> I also want to make a note right now because the last podcast on the Drunk Web uh -huh. Bitcoin was at seven thousand. So eight thousand. Eight thousand yeah. or so. It now. Yeah, yeah, it's at nineteen thousand four hundred sixty at this moment. That's funny, <laughs> but that is projected value, right? Like no one, where's that number come from? That is, like that is people setting a number and saying, yeah, I'll trade for that. But that's, that, a, that's, but, but that's, that's the source enough. of all value, isn't that's, it? That's right. like what I feel like think the source worth, of all yeah. value is what the, what some suckers willing to buy it for. Yeah, isn't it? It, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's but that's like the bet for it, right? Like that is how people uh, are have so little faith in other options because uh, like we want to trade internationally, but we want to be able to trade with people. Um, without these huge penalties without these huge amounts of, of of setups so so this is a funnel that is deregulated completely deregulated and the, the deal is with certain there has to be a moderation of both there, i am for regulation but not too much regulation where it hampers innovation absolutely there has to be a balance of both in mod in both types in order for people to flourish right like the internet was able to flourish because of deregulation then people found value in it etc this whole concept just proves to the fact that people want to be able to trade with one another for whatever it is right because who honestly knows what bitcoin is still being bought for it many times still legitimately but let's be real underneath it all it was not legitimate purchases fundamentally its roots were not legitimate but here's the, here's but here's actually, the thing did you it's, actually pay for lunch with bitcoin what's that did you actually pay for lunch with bitcoin no i used litecoin because the transaction yeah. fees are lower okay yes. <laughs> See? So, no, so here's the thing i i yeah i i like um probably charlie lee's explanation of these cryptocurrencies the best he he looks at bitcoin as digital gold and Litecoin, for example, is digital silver. You know, digital gold is a store of value. Uh, you want to buy it and hold it, then you're going to move it into probably large chunks. But there has to be something else there that is, you know, something a little bit more lightweight, less costly to use. Uh, and and there are many cryptocurrencies that fit that bill. 
Uh, I'm currently, you know, looking at Dash, Monero, uh, Litecoin. There's also something that's more mainstream for banking institutions called uh, the company's called Ripple, and XRP is the uh, the actual token. Uh, so th there's something for everyone out there with these things. But I think where were we going with this? I don't remember. <laughs> well, it's the problem with whiskey, man. Alcohol. Oh, yeah. Alcohol. Well, we said I, I bought something, but uh, uh, you bought Bitcoin. You, oh, you bought lunch. Yeah, yeah I bought lunch with we Bitcoin. Bought lunch. Yeah. So I want to give a shout out actually to my buddy Ryan Crow, who's hey. here. Uh, I have a. I, I actually I don't think I've ever introduced you like this because not in front of you, but when you're not in the room, this is what I say. I say. <laughs> All right, here it is. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan Crow, you're. Uh, that's Ryan Crow, by the way. Yeah, right? <laughs> Whatever you're about to say, that's Ryan Crow. I'm in the middle of the stage. Ryan Crow is your friendly neighborhood product owner. On the first episode of the podcast, I asked James, what do you think about project managers? And oh, then man. your answer to that was, oh, uh, you said, <laughs> you said, just uh, called out. This might have been this might have been the part that I asked you. <laughs> Wait, no, before you we said, answer, I want to say I think project managers are great. <laughs> they keep it focused. <laughs> they keep that focused. James said, your answer, to, the whole thing you said was. It's not their fault they're, they're, because they're born that way. <laughs> and then, and then it was like, well, I, I, I really didn't have a great experience with project managers, but I liked our project manager. And I was like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Then I went to like company to company to company, and I was like, oh, okay, I get what James is talking about. And I know you're not a project manager, but you are doing. There's overlap between what you're doing and what I thought was a project manager responsible for, and. Ryan has showed me that somebody who is not actually writing code can advocate for what we do and can actually care about like performance, can care about like refactoring Wait, and that sort of thing. So No, I saw when we we're talking about performance, I thought I saw that you were paying attention. And it's and it's really good to see that technology leaking out of just programmers. To see people who are, by the way, you are a programmer because you take color code courses. So, <laughs> I gotta get that in there. But you know, you're like, traditionally you could be a person who is. I describe it as you are. Like we have different priorities. Like you have a different priority, we have a different priority. Like I want to make the code base as as healthy as it can be, and that is not necessarily a product thing. But we can have conversations about it. So I've actually had a very unique experience working with Ryan so I wanted to do a shout out and thanks for being here so uh, how are we doing for drinks you you're good you guys need drinks yeah I think we I could use another drink. yeah I can I'll do another old fat yeah. Oh, yeah welcome to New York though you could, our, you could be a crazy our man significant in the others of the literally left the building <laughs> <laughs> they were just like fuck <laughs> this this is what they do I'm gonna go out into the 20 degree weather Rather, rather than okay. So I saw James walking outside in just that like Hawaiian shirt, like Magnum PI. Shirt. <laughs> so <laughs> let me, Charlie. This is a good thing to talk about because one of the things, one of the the best things about becoming a dad is I've stopped giving even the slightest fuck about what other people think of me. And I I remember going into Bonobos, which is this like. Um, 
men's clothing. It's like this men's clothing one. And uh, yeah, no. and I was like, I need some shirts because my wife demanded that I buy shirts. And uh, <laughs> and I walked in, and there were all these great-looking shirts, and then there was a bunch of shirts with like birds of paradise on them. And I was like, you know what? I'm wearing. And she, my wife hates Hawaiian shirts. They're like just <laughs> like, the sign of quitting. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? No. So I, yeah. for for our audience that can't actually see this, I have to point out that James is built like a Greek god. Uh, yeah, unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable. That is that that is an, a, a very coincidental <laughs> shaping of fat because I work out precisely seven times a decade or so. The main thing is he doesn't need to work out; it's just all genetic. No, it's it, it is. It's it's just it pisses it's, me off. It's the where the it's the way the jiggliness is shaped. <laughs> if I take this off, it's disgusting. But it's uh, but anyway, so. So I, I've, I've made this decision that wearing shirts with birds of paradise on them make me happy and I don't give a fuck. And, uh, and fatherhood gave me this superpower to stop caring. That's good. Because, it, yeah. Before, uh, before we segue into the, the next piece, um, I want to say something because I'm, I'm, I feel a little tipsy and I, I, I don't want to. It is. Ho- it's really very, it's it is. very sexual. Yeah. Yes. And, and so... <laughs> I made a speech in September because I was in uh, Hamptons with a, a ton of friends. We got this big ass house, and I made this speech. That's I don't why know, people I'm, hate New Yorkers. Yeah, that was the thing. That Hamptons with uh, <laughs> a bunch of people. Hold on, hold on. It gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to make the same speech, but like your version of it. Like, <laughs> Tell us more about your white privilege. I came to, I, it was actually uh, September, the reason why I made this speech in September is because I came to the United States in September 2nd, oh, wow. nine years ago. And so the thing I said uh, over there, which I'm going to like now re, uh, like change it for the audience, is that I came to the United States for one reason only, and it was a tough one because I had already left my parents to go to Australia to be with my brothers and I left my brothers so it was the second time I was leaving family I left them to come to the United States because I thought I would be able to meet people who are professionally better than me because I couldn't find that in Australia it was like a beach town I was living in it was fun beer you surfing whatever but yeah I know but (laughs) but I just could be might (laughs) <laughs> we were doing Australian accent before, yeah, so it's, it was funnier if you were there. <laughs> <laughs> but I came here because I thought, like, fuck this. Like, I, I, I want to learn from people. I, I don't want to learn from an article anymore. I want to I learn from people. I, I want to be around people who are 10 years ahead of me. Not just, like, a little bit ahead of me, but, like, a lot. And so I came here with, with that mission. And... If you had told me that less than a decade later we'll be sitting here in this like beautiful room and we'll be talking about our our craft with the three of you who I genuinely love and respect so much, both professionally and personally. Well, Jr. We talk later, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. Jr. You can take that. No, he knows. It's, it's all out of love. Oh, I give. <laughs> Good, yeah. All right. Oh, and oh so, my gosh. There we go. Dude, you're a hero. But so, so when, when are we going to start roasting Sino? We got to start roasting Sino. Time? No, 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 no. question? But let me, let me, let me, let me wrap question. up my point first. Let me wrap oh, up my sorry, point. Sorry, you had a point? I, I, 
I came to America. You do understand what the word point means. Right? <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Nine years later. But you know, it is Saturday. You know, you have a billion things to do. For you guys to be here, it's it's such a thrill for me. And I don't know if you realize this, but it's it's a big deal. No. This is so, a big deal for me. I mean, I, I don't do anything on Saturday. <laughs> I don't leave the house. You having kids. <laughs> right. Like, you having kids. But I know this, this is a big deal. This, you know, yeah, I had to make time for this. Thank you, Charlie. Thank this you. is Thank fantastic. You. Thank you. So cheers to all of you guys. Cheers. Thanks for being you. here. Hey, uh, so I do want to go to, like, Australia. Or is New Zealand a new it place? Both. <laughs> Both. Oh. Get the Kiwis and the Aussies. So... From what I understand, Charlie has, uh, he, he showed up prepared. He came up with a list. I did. What's I have, going on there? I have a list of questions. Uh-oh. Because, you know, you ask these questions. Of pe- Fuck. If I get my iPhone to work, yeah. Payback time. Payback, Payback time. time. All right. So, Cena. Oh, shit. Instagram. Would you, you rather f- suffer from Dunning-Kruger effect or imposter syndrome? And why? <laughs> what the oh. <laughs> just hard hitting off the top off the top so if you need like me to explain I do need you to explain yeah. okay so I could google it but I'm just gonna wing it <laughs> so Dunning-Kruger effect is when you think you're extremely competent uh-huh. but you aren't <laughs> and imposter syndrome is you're competent but you're always concerned you know this is something I feel I think a lot of programmers feel do you you know, are you really as good at you know? Are you good enough? Do you understand the technologies as good as I as see. everyone around you? That's a tough one, right? So the the imposter syndrome. Which one do I actually suffer from, or do I prefer? Which would you rather suffer from, Dunning Kruger or imposter I, syndrome? I think I'd rather why? the second one. Yeah, I think I'd rather because I think the second one is like you feel bad for the guy because he's ex- at least he's good. He lacks confidence, but the first guy is just a fucking phony, right? <laughs> So I think I, I'd rather be the guy who didn't get what he deserved than be a phony. I, I, that, that's right. interesting because I think I'd rather be the first guy because <laughs> oh, you're yeah. clueless. You don't know. You're happy. <laughs> Sorry, ignorance is bliss. Okay. That's good. That's interesting. I, uh, those, are, those are some like highly technical that terms. That's a good question. Yeah. yeah. So do I go with the other two or is this round robin? Round robin. Yeah. Sure, let's do round robin. Round robin. Round robin. Yeah. Okay. Round robin. All right, so do I ask? Do I answer you, that question? No, 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 well, if we went around. Oh, well, we could do answers first, and then okay. we could do ask a question. Okay. Okay. So my answer to that question is I prefer to suffer from imposter syndrome. Which one's that? The second one? The second one. Yeah. And I think the thing about imposter syndrome is people suffering from imposter syndromes are motivated to continue to improve. Right? And uh, I think, you know... <laughs> The first time I heard the phrase imposter syndrome was from Jad. Was it Jad Abumrad? He's the guy that hosts Radiolab. Oh, yeah. It's a great show. He had won a MacArthur Genius Award for the work he'd done on Radiolab. And he didn't believe he deserved it. And it was really fascinating. No, no, maybe that wasn't. There's two guys. There's Jab Jab Abumrad and the other guy. I can't remember his name. Anyway. But the other guy was like, it turns out that some of the most successful people in history suffer deeply from imposter syndrome. 
and it was that for that reason they continued to improve and never felt like they deserved the accolades that they got and I actually dude I'm so glad you asked this question Charlie because I think I you were the first person in my entire life to call me out for talking bigger than my game and because when I first started working for HBO, I didn't know much about front end, but things went really quickly, and we started doing those like lectures at Google and all that stuff. And I don't remember what it was, but I fucked something up at some point. We hold were on, hold on. I gotta, I gotta make something clear for the audience. This is the Angular One meetup at Google, which at Google. now has four fucking hundred people oh, show up. Shit. You can't even subscribe to it anymore. Oh damn! Because it sells out like that. Oh, that's so. Crazy. That was like the first ten. Uh, Angular meetups yeah. at Google, which you guys, yeah. which is what you were talking about. So yeah, cool. and I think that whole thing started because the guys that started Angular reached out to HBO, and then I think Charlie, did you set those meetings up? Yeah, so Charlie set the meetings up with the Google guys to come to HBO and talk. So to that's us Igor Minor and, Igor and, and, and um, yeah. well, the the guy that actually started the whole Angular. Those guys, thing. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't believe you. <laughs> and I remember, I remember, because I think I did really well in the interview for HBO. And I remember one time Charlie came up to me after I'd done some dumb shit with .com. <laughs> and, and I think you literally just said to me, I used to be impressed by the way you talked. You know? I'm still impressed by the way you talk. Well, thank you. <laughs> but but you, you, there was something about you, you said, like, I don't remember exactly what it was, but you were like, the way you talk and the code you just wrote do not. <laughs> you know? We're like, they don't go I don't know, bro. <laughs> like, you need to do better than that shit. I can't it, believe I said that to you. You, you, you know, you did. You oh, like, wow. It was actually crueler than that, but it was good. It was, like, good. It was, it was like... It was really poignant. It was the first time in my life somebody had just like come to my face and called me out. And literally since that day, I've changed my perspective from number one to number two. Oh my God! Now you've just validated my whole existence. But dude, but that, <laughs> dude, that is—it's crit- it's so critical that developers have their ass handed to them every now and then because we believe we're gods because we're living in this economy that values us so highly, and. Most engineers will go through their life without the piece of criticism that could help them improve because our skill set is so valuable right now, right? And so everyone will stroke you, like, through your whole career and be like, oh, my God, you came in here and you wrote a a database access software. You fucking, (laughs) oh, my God, you hooked up to an API. (laughs) Holy shit, you know, you're amazing. And the truth is, like, that stuff, they don't even, that's not even... You know, comp sci 101 if you go to a good school. That's, yeah. be- that's beneath that. It was the first time somebody said that, and it was the first time I realized that I need to have imposter syndrome. I need to always be aware that I'm not good enough. Because it's the only way you get better. If you think you're, if you think you're great, you're wrong. Yeah, you know? I, I think so. I, I suffer from a little bit of that, especially yeah. lately. It's, you have to put a cap on it. Right, because at some point you're gonna be like, I'm just not good enough. I'm just not, right. Yeah. You have to, uh, and I, I say this to Kalen sometimes. It's like you have to fall back in love with what you do and yeah. remember your, the like what you're good at. What what is your game? Yeah. Like what are your highest, you know, a- achievements? You have to remember that because yeah. you can be thrown away so much bullshit, yeah. especially if you get 
you know, upper management, there's like business involved, there's like financing, there's all that stuff. This is something that is a struggle for me today to not go overboard with what you're saying, yeah. you know, and still be able to have like all, all the people like on my team, like they, they're still looking to me for guidance. Right? I can't have too much of what of what you're saying. Otherwise, the team won't function. Yeah. Right. That's, so, yeah, fair enough. but yeah. too much of that is worse than like the the reverse yeah. right yeah what was so. the, what was the first what was the name of the first thing you said so it was yeah what is that phrase the first one oh uh, dunner kruger syndrome dunning kruger effect effect essentially basically there are some people that really just don't realize how clueless they are they think they're they know everything about everything you know they're geniuses but in fact they they don't understand it the and I think it's interesting because I can remember actually suffering from that. Yeah. I can remember, you know, assembly language, uh, having a, a, a deep discussion with a, a friend of mine who was also a computer science major back in our old Dominion University days. Shout out to you. Um, and I was, I can remember the conversation now. I was so positive that I knew how this algorithm could be written and, yeah. you know, that I understood you know, how to do it in assembly language. And then I sat down and tried to write it out. And that's the thing about computer science. Your bullshit does not survive the first run through. Because no. <laughs> the, compu- the, the computer is not going to do you any favors. Right. No, your the compiler com- yeah. is completely unbiased. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is that... Is that s- <laughs> <laughs> and and I, it was humbling. It was humbling. Yeah. Who, who, Whose phrase is that? Um... What is that? A plan never survives first contact with the enemy. Is that is that Sung Soo or? I think it is, goes yeah. back that far. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I could be. Art of War. For the five people interested in this, I, <laughs> I'm lying. I could be lying, but I don't. Know. It's somebody. Yeah. Jr. It's your turn. Jr. Which one do you prefer to be? Oh, I am imposter syndrome <laughs> okay. at all times. At all times, I wish I was a prior, uh, but many times I just find myself just saying like, "Ooh." I'll figure this out. Yeah. But that's the engineer in us. Yeah. I think um, everyone constitutes engineers as like people that know everything. No, I, I, I completely disagree with that notion. Engineers are people that want to work through problems to figure out something. Some of the first engineers, civil engineers even, were people that were just, it's trial and error sometimes. I need to build a bridge. Well, let me build a bridge like in a small model scale then try again and scale it up it's a trial and error right you you have an amalgamation of your talents kind of to figure out a problem but but ultimately um you 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 want to work through those problems right and that is what makes an engineer an engineer uh, rather than like um a quote-unquote developer. There's there's differences. Engineers want uh, want to figure out solutions and different paths to that solution. Sometimes those paths are shitty, and you have to live through those paths. But you, when you learn from those uh, shitty paths or those failures, you you hopefully have more successes in the future, knowing those pitfalls, right? And and I strongly feel that many times I've failed many times in my life. That's that's just going to be like a known caveat, but I try not to make those uh, failures um, a huge pitfall where I, 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 I wallow in it. I have, to, I have to embrace it, own it, absolutely, and then hopefully figure out solutions to improve it in the future. 
yeah, I fucked up. Hey, is it is it bad enough for me to not do this anymore, or is it bad enough for me to uh, be able to improve it over different iterations, right? And imposter syndrome is just going to be the way yeah. it is for me. I, I feel like the the greatest lie that we've all been told is to pay too much attention to these like failures and like shortcomings, yeah. and it, it's like this. It's almost like a propaganda where, where it's like. You you need to fix what you're not amazing at. It's, no. it's like no. no. Instead, why don't I not give a fuck about that at all? Because I'm just not good at it. My like my brain is not structured that way. So why don't I just go do the thing that I first of all enjoy sure. and I'm half decent at and then build on top of that. It, like I don't need to be but but also there, having team members to supplement that. That's yeah. a big thing about all of us. Because there is a guy who is good at that exactly right? why don't we just give him that not everybody has to be a fucking full stack developer but also absolutely I, that is the as much as you can beat the drum on that issue yeah please do yes i will that seems such a, a common thing it's are such you a full bullshit. stack developer this stuff is so complex now anyone that claims to be an expert across the entire stack of it yes there are a few of those geniuses out there but you can't expect that yeah, in 10, yeah. It's impossible. It's crazy to expect that. I would like to ask a question of, of the folks here. This has reminded me of something else. This is a very cliche question, but I, I think we're drunk enough to make it great. <laughs> what is everyone's here, everyone here, what, what is your absolute biggest engineering fuck up? Like, just fuck up. This is not the first time this has come up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm gonna start with you, Charlie. Right. Charlie. Yeah, Charlie. What you like? This is really easy. I think it <laughs> because Cena asked me this question already. I did. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so my biggest engineering fuck up was Java servlets, right? Oh shit. I, yeah. <laughs> Say no more. I actually. <laughs> I started writing the servlets before I finished reading my my good uh, good friend um, Jason Hunter's book. Java servlets, and uh, I didn't read to the end about thread safety. Oh Jesus! So I was writing these these uh, I, I, applications six. that weren't thread safe, yeah. and people were coming to me asking me, "How come this doesn't look like the data I entered?" Oh man! And I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> Dude, so Char yeah, I fixed it. Yeah. When Charlie says, oh shit, you know something's wrong. Yeah, if Charlie says, oh shit, you should leave the building. <laughs> the foundation yeah, is cracking. something is clinical. <laughs> the foundation is cracking. JR. JR. Oh, so, so many. Yeah. So, so many. I think Ryan Crow is smiling. Uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so many. The tickets many. still open. <laughs> Oh man, uh, some of my biggest engineering fuck-ups were probably underestimating load. Like, um, right, you test something locally, you test, we tested this whole machine, we tested this whole application when I was working uh, for, for this network uh, deal. We tested all locally. And we're like, oh yeah, awesome. We could, we, like, you know, 10 gigabytes in, uh, in a couple seconds, we got this transferred. Cool. Started scaling it out through like m massive networks. 
Oh no. <laughs> oh no. It doesn't work. It don't work. Yeah. It don't work at all. <laughs> like <laughs> just just utter collapse of, yeah. of, of systems just going like oh that node went down and that went node <laughs> went oh, down man. and and those nodes have no redundancies. That means it, the the circuit's just done. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, so that's why you're not getting your Skype call? <laughs> Other than it just being Skype? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Micro man, my bad. It's Microsoft. James Wonga. Oh, shit. My biggest is I don't even want to say the company because <laughs> <laughs> there's a future. That kind of litigation is still possible. The lawyers are still calling. The lawyers are still <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it has not expired. My biggest fuck up. Is I hope I hope there are engineers out here. Who you will. look behind you. My wife happens to be standing right by. My biggest engineering fuck up was I worked for a company. I am not going to say the name, and they were building an enterprise service bus. This is an old company, and they decided that they wanted to bring all of their 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 sort of legacy data systems until the 21st century and they wanted to build an enterprise uh, fuck I've been drinking whiskey an enterprise service bus that would allow them to query across all of these disparate data sources right so they had like um uh what's the what's the Microsoft like personal data server like uh, uh yeah. it's probably not that important HDAP is it HDAP LDAP LDAP like AD credentials. No, no, no. But LDAP is LDAP was easy. No, no. LDAP LDAP wasn't that hard. But so they had like an LDAP personnel data, right? And uh, oh, look at that. So they had like an LDAP personnel data, but like half their personnel data was was in like somebody's fucking access database that they'd had up. It was like crazy. So they had all this stuff spread across all these different data systems, and so I got hired on to be. To build an enterprise service bus that would allow them to query all of these data sources. The very smart product owner was like, hey, there's this thing called BizSpark from Microsoft that that is built to collate disparate data sources so that you can query. It's not super elegant, but it does this. And my young, like, you know, spring chicken engineering, you know, brain was like, we could do this. We don't need Microsoft BizSpark. I know Microsoft is a hundred billion dollar company that has spent a lot of money engineering, uh, you know, data sources. But I got this. I got this. I'm James. You know, like I have I, a Hawaiian shirt. I have a shirt that's bright as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, that is exactly. an awesome shirt. Thank you very much. Just <laughs> like a, a watermelon. Sorry, Kate. Yeah, you know. So I was like, I got this. I totally got this. Um, and, and so I convinced the CEO of the company to abandon Microsoft BizSpark because my fucking 20-something-year-old ass thought that I could build my own enterprise ser data service. Oh, God, we like, got to go into business with James. <laughs> and so I was like, totally got this, right? And so I started writing this thing, and, I, and, and I, dude, it was like rest, RESTful APIs were just coming online. Right, and so what did I do? I said, you know what, REST isn't good enough. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I was like, I bet you we can build data queries, 
right into the query string of API calls, right? Genius. Genius. Right? Why do we why do we need to why do we need to put the queries on the back end? So is this done in Kruger or imposter syndrome? I'm thinking that This was done in Kruger days. Yeah. <laughs> this is done in Kruger. Do you know days. why this is deja vu for me? Because but. on your episode you said Oh, I I was in this situation where I thought MVC is not good enough. So I <laughs> So I built my own model view controller. Oh god, yeah. Until oh, no. So you did it? this multiple times. I, I did this. I this is yeah. This is not the first <laughs> time I did this because like yeah, I had something where and it was like when MVC was first coming online, and I was like, oh MVC, oh this is retarded. <laughs> Why would we do Forty that? Forty years of suffering. <laughs> yeah. James, the thing is, when you say it, it just sounds so reasonable. <laughs> and this is this is where I get myself trapped because I've I've I've, I've developed the skill of sounding smarter than I ever have been, and and so <laughs> so, so like. Yeah, <laughs> it turns out that works. Uh, maybe if the depends on how this lawsuit goes for a while. And, yeah, and so I, I, you know, so we went at this thing and we were building this thing, and I solved all of these like base level problems. I was like, so I was able to query all of these different data sources, and everything was like super sexy, and then all this other shit that's an important part of software engineering came up. They were like, oh, James, this is interesting. What about security? How yeah. secure is this? Yeah. Right? And I was like, oh, yeah, we'll get to that. How hard, <laughs> how hard could that be? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, no problem, right? We're like, we'll, we'll slap some, you know, some, some uh, like, some, some um, is it, what is it? O, um, OAuth on it or something. Oh, yeah. and, like, and OAuth was like five days old at that time, right? <laughs> like, OAuth was brown. I was like, yeah, I heard this thing, OAuth. We'll do that. I don't know what it is, but we'll do OAuth on it. And, uh, <laughs> you know. And so we ended up at that uh, this thing, and we're like four weeks from production. Oh my god! And they were like, "All right, let's get a demo run of this son of a son of a bitch." And we booted this thing up. It didn't fucking scale. Zero scale because the whole every every single test had been run from my personal computer, right? <laughs> and so I'm like. Oh my! Oh my! Computer is blazing fast, you yeah, know, because that. the database is sitting on my computer. <laughs> too. You know what I mean? My yeah, MacBook Air. My Never. MacBook Air. It was well, MacBook Air. That's fancy, man. This is like this was way back in the day. So I was like, this oh, guy. it's blazing fast. And I remember this moment where we're sitting in this meeting and we're running these tests, and it hit me, and I was just like. I'm going to go to jail. <laughs> this is really bad code. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. I was like, I have why SQL I queries I in yeah. the query param. Yeah. This, like, this was like a $10 million piece of software that we were writing. Like this was Ooh, massive. For our studio audience, this is Dunning-Kruger epitome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, hold my beer. I got this. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> that was that was to this day it was the most epic fuck up of my life you know wow. and I was eventually released released <laughs> from no this way. job okay and I deserved it I thought you said it was released no the software was never released <laughs> well, thank yeah. God and and I deserved that shit so bad and I and I you know and this remains my biggest weakness I think still to this day like I I tend to see these like these things and go like I've heard seven words about this subject. I can build it from the ground up, you know. 
and uh, and you I just need so, someone to moderate you. Yeah, because this is what this is you why. did to me, Charlie. Yeah. This, is, this is important yeah. to have people that can explicate that vision. Yeah, because yeah. there are a lot of people out there that understand all these things, yeah. but they can't. They cannot transmit that message yeah. to the people that make the decisions. Yeah, and you have a skill, mm-hmm. and that's a valuable skill. I think. But you got to get someone in check. You need a Charlie. You need a Charlie. You need a Char- Charlie. This is Charlie. This was Charlie's role was to go to these to the, these young engineers that thought they knew what the fuck they were talking about and completely unapologetically tell them fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you, know what I mean? you don't know what you're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and it's just my lack of social skills. But, it, but yeah. <laughs> but dude, that shit was so invaluable because I mean, how many how many hot dogs were there? You know, there, there were a couple. Five. Yeah, they yeah. were basically a bunch of hot dogs. And like you had to go up to them and just be like, "You don't know what the fuck you're talking about." And you had to say it in yeah. front of everybody that was there. My 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 other one was actually at HBO, and I hold on hold on one second. We're having a very serious drunk web moment right now. Oh no! We have four tequila shots show up for. uh, Oh, there we go. There we go. Tara, this is unbelievable. Thank you, Tara. Jesus Christ. There we go. Cheers. Okay. <laughs> Terry. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to... Oh, wait. Uh, JR. Well, okay. t- so, uh, I want to say something before we, go, we go. take this shot. Oh, motherfucker. <laughs> about 20 minutes ago, and like a drink and a half ago, I made a point about why this is such a big deal. And I'm so glad that I can make this kind of event where you guys would actually show up. Like, JR, you're like 45 minutes away. James, you're like in California. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> ten minutes away. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, this went on like, a bit too long. I think. But, yeah, yeah. James wins. James wins this contest. Two nights ago, I couldn't go to sleep because I was too excited. It's like Christmas. I was. I, I, was, I would not have missed this. Frankly. I was thinking about this episode, and I was like, "What, what am I gonna ask? Like, how are we gonna sit? Like, the whole thing, like logistically." Is uh, you know, is almond is like good enough for episode twenty? Almond's good enough. It was good, <laughs> and so I'm 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 so grateful that you guys are here. Thank you so much. This is this is why I said goodbye to my family. So <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Cheers, cheers everybody. Cheers. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Salud. Salud. Thank cheers. you. Oh fuck. This I know. Mm. Oh. Mm. Mm. Oh. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Okay. At least it was good to kill. Okay. A, dr- a drunk. That web. was good to kill. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But, but like, does anyone think Cena needs to be in Toastmasters at all? Like, he's got this on Pat. He doesn't need to go be in Toastmasters. He I did need- Toastmasters, and no, Cena doesn't need it. Yeah, he does not yes. need this. So it's natural. Yeah. Thank it's you, Jared. Well so I'm gonna do a. Um, I think we should incorporate that somehow. I think so. Yay! Happy birthday! You know, you know whose birthday it is? That's a little child. Two years. Drunk Drunk Web is two. Two years. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so a Drunk Web classic. Classic. Every one of us gets to do a shout out to one person. Jr. Go. Huh? That's yeah. a lot of pressure. This is where you find out someone's oh, cheating. Man. Your shout out is behind you. So yeah, oh no, yeah, yeah, no, I know. Okay. Jr. Uh, shout out to uh, all the lost ones. Yeah, the lost ones. 
the last ones. Just okay. Yeah. This this is a uh, this is this is post episode conversation. Yeah, yeah, All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's have All it. Right. All right, Jr. James. My shout out is to my wife. She's <laughs> standing behind me, and I don't have a choice in the matter. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So I asked my wife this question. We, we were like, we were out, we were drunk la- a couple nights ago, every night, and <laughs> and I said, "Is it ever a challenge that I'm a nerd?" Because because my wife didn't know I was a nerd when she really, met me. she didn't quite get it. It, it took a while, yeah. I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't look like a nerd. Yeah, it's a slow release. And I said, "What's do you, do you ever find my nerdiness intolerable?" In which she rapidly answered yes, often. <laughs> all right, Kate. Which, nice. Thank you for the honesty. Yeah, which it's made not it. Not what a, I said at all, but. You know, <laughs> sure it is. Sure it is. That's that. That is my interpretation of what she said, which made it apparent that I've been putting her through the last seven years of total hell. Um, and so your your con- your continued patience and willingness uh, to sleep with me is remarkable, <laughs> <laughs> because it's not something that. You should have to do. And I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's that's it. That's a big deal. That's a big it's a deal. Putting up with you. It's a, yeah. Thank you for your charity. <laughs> so that's my biggest shout out. Well, I have to to do a shout out to my wife Yen because again, she's the glue that holds the family together. Rockstar. Rockstar. Yeah. So. Great. And and again you are a Greek god so I don't understand why it's so hard. Uh, you you uh, I make funny noises. Oh yeah, you too. <laughs> yeah. I understand. And you sir. And you sir. Just the costumes. So the, the the shout out uh that I'm going to use my card for is the reason why I've gotten to 20 is because there are people who are interested in in what we're talking about and I just want to do a shout out to anybody who who took the time to listen to what we have to say. And so shout out to everybody who supported uh, Drunk Web. And I work with a bunch of you. So thank you for for being uh, supportive and encouraging me. And, and uh, thank you for uh, JR. I feel like you have something to say. <laughs> There's supposed to be one person that you were supposed to shout out oh, to. Fuck. <laughs> but, but, uh, damn it, Sima. Fucked it up. But, but, but also, thank you for setting this up. I mean, oh, yeah. we wouldn't have a platform to say any of this nonsense and to have us just drink on <laughs> Cena's dime. <laughs> you are paying for this, right? Oh, fuck! You're paying for this, right? Um, Am I talking to the microphone? <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, Thank you for allowing us to kind of chill, hang out, have a place uh, to kind of talk, and be able to remember this. I, w- I will always be able to listen to you guys' uh, a podcast, be able to reflect back and be like, oh, I remember that. Oh, I remember those little moments. My sister actually listened to mine. And, and, yeah. and, and, and she said, oh, it was so awesome. I didn't yeah. realize you were actually of any significance. <laughs> <laughs> no, she didn't say it like that. I'm just kidding. She's oh, fancy. Right, I, I want to hear Charlie talk about convolutional neural networks before we end this podcast. This is very important. <laughs> before we do that, I still have two more questions. Yeah, Ask Cena. To find out what Charlie's next question is, tune in to part two in episode... <laughs> Well, that was the end of part one, everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, Hopefully, I'll be able to post part two uh, pretty soon. We talk about, well, the questionnaire comes up, the the usual classic drunk web questionnaire comes up. 
the party code brunch question comes up. Uh, there's quite a bit more to cover uh, in this uh, hilarious and informative conversation we had. Uh, it was definitely one of my favorite episodes and one of my all-time favorite uh, nights in New York City. So thanks again for listening and hopefully part two coming up soon. Have a good day. Mm-hmm.